And now, direct from the Ducks Bar, <laughs> out at Blue Collarville, broadcasting through Blue Collar Media on podcast and live stream. It's time for the Ducks Shed Podcast. Get all the Australian boys need a shed. G'day and welcome to my Shed Bar for the latest edition of the Duck Shed Podcast, broadcasting through Blue Collar Media on podcast and live stream uh, from my actual Shed Bar out here in Blue Collarville. Now I've got to tell you, I can hear a bit of music going in the background there, we'll just turn that down, not sure what's going on, but um, as you know, I have turned, um, as you know by now, in light of us all currently doing the staying at home thing, I have turned my Friday night shed uh, into... um, a bit of a night with mates and we've turned it into a podcast and video so you can get a taste of what we get up to out here in the shed. Now to put it quite simply I've just invited anybody who wants to watch or listen to just join in. Now look there have been plenty of stories and Porky's told around this bar as I've told you before and for the short time at least we are now just getting together on the phone and I've just got some audio happening here and I'll just see if I can fix that. I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, you two can be a part of this as well just by commenting on the video or simply just by sending me an email and just go to bluecollarmedia.com.au and click on contact to do that. We certainly do enjoy the feedback here and we've been getting a, uh, plenty of emails and plenty of uh, messages as well and we certainly do appreciate the support. Now, uh, look, if it wasn't for the coronavirus, I would actually be, um, right now, I'd be up in the Northern Territory. And uh, look, the plan tonight, and actually tonight, was for me to grab some cold beers up there and hook up with my mate Waddy, who basically spends his life out there um, dodging crocs, catching barras as well. And uh, let me tell you, if it wasn't for the borders being closed and pubs shut, well, I'd be there. But now, as you know, we're all staying home. So look, we decided that, that wouldn't, we wouldn't let that stop us. So here we are. We're going to catch up with a few beers here in the shed, have those beers and have a yarn about what it's like living in the top end of Australia. Now, look, for those of you that tune into my radio program each week, you certainly would be familiar with this little tune. It's time to head to the top end and bag a barra with Glenn Waddy Watts. Thanks to Shimano. Remember to buy local and fish local. Visit shimanofish.com.au. Now, look, the reason that we play that is because Waddy actually joins me on the radio each week and, um, and tells us about, you know, how good it is fishing up there. Uh, in blue, up there in uh, up there in the Northern Territory in the top end, and I'm getting a lot of feedback through my my, my thing here, which I'm not sure what that is. Is that my phone cork? Is it? So let's just get rid of that. You just take that and turn that off or something. And um, so Waddy joins me every week on the radio as uh, as our fishing expert in the top end. And uh, I've got to tell you that he certainly is a Northern Territory character. But there's a bit more to the story with Waddy because Waddy. Basically, um, he wasn't a northern, what do you call it, a northern territory person, whatever the name is, he'll tell me. He was actually originally from Victoria, but he didn't take him long to pick up the lingo and the accent and, of course, the beer drinking habits that they have up there uh, in the northern territory. So we've got him on the line, we'll get him up now. Waddy, I'm sitting here. It's absolutely freezing down here, mate. I've got a fire going, we've got heaters going, I've got a beanie on, I've got a vest on, a flannel. You're kicking back with a singlet on. How warm is it there? <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. I actually saw the wind trying to blow your paper off the desk there before. <laughs> I don't envy you down there. Oh, Doug, I've actually got, I mean, I'm out in the um, man cave caravan here where I um, used as, a, as my base camp for fishing charters, but also as my rod building and fly tying area. 
We've got the aircon set on 26, mate. Oh, I'd turn it up, would you? A bit too chilly in here, so I might have to dial her up a bit more. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right, fair enough. How warm is it? What's the temperature up there? How's the, what are you drinking, the Great Northern? Yeah, we're on the Great Northern, mate. They, they've been a good uh, good mate of the business for a while now, so we support them and they support me. It's good. It's a good little deal. Yeah, well, if they're supporting you, well, mate, just on the beer, let me tell you, down here where we drink two is new, Mate, they've, got, they've come up with this idea now. I don't know if you can see that. I'll just hold that up to you there, Waddy. You see that? Now, what happens is... Yeah, I see that. Now, yeah. what happens is, obviously, the state of origin, you know about state of origin, the um, the great uh, rugby league game between New South Wales and Queensland. Well, Tui's new. They sponsor the Blues. So they've brought out this concept with the Cairns. So what, what happens when you buy the Cairns, they've got NSW, right? New South Wales on the side of the can. But when the can goes cold, it turns from white to blue. What a great idea. So you oh, know, yeah. mate, you know yeah, they're ready yeah, yeah. to... Mate, technology's everything, mate. And as you can see, I've been stuffing up with it here tonight. I thought I'd try and get a few of the comments on my phone here on Facebook. But what's happening is that the uh, audio was coming out through my machine here. And I talk about me being confused, which it doesn't take much to get me confused, Waddy, as you know. But, mate, I've got to tell you, technology's everything, mate. Because when the beer goes cold, the New South Wales on the side of the can goes a nice blue... And you know they're ready to drink, son. I'll just have one with you now, mate. Cheers, son. Yeah, How well, cheers. It? Happy Friday. You, you probably don't even need to put them in the fridge down there, mate. Eh? You just <laughs> sit them beside the desk there, do you? Yeah, not at the moment, mate. Yeah, so uh, I've got to tell you, we, yeah, we did have a bit of wind blow right through us here in the shed here. And we've got a fire going oh, not far from where I'm sitting. And we, we, I, can feel it, I can feel the warmth of it, so that's not too bad. But, mate, we've had a real cold snap down here. I mean, it's... It was the weather's been good, and it's just our luck because, as you know, there's been restrictions all over the place where you can't, you know, go out and you know and do things. You have got to stay home, and I mean, Anzac Day last week was completely different, but everyone where I live was out the front doing it. But one of the things that we've had a drama with here are jet skis, and I've got one, and um, so <laughs> I've got to tell you that this week you can now. You ready for this? Use your jet yeah, ski yeah. for exercise, Waddy. <laughs> Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, I know, which is fine. But it's fucking five below now. I mean, last week, <laughs> like last week, it was beautiful. Anyway, the weather's turned in the last couple of days, and where we live out here, uh, we're not too far away off the mountains, basically, and uh, and we've got a fair bit of. Uh, I think it's it's about minus five. They're predicting snow at Oberon, which is not too really. Not that far from here. I, I spend a bit of time out there. I've got a mate out there that's got a property, and uh, it gets really cold there. And uh, predicting snow there today. So if, if it is snowing there, um, that that nice breeze that comes off that snow will be heading down where we are, and certainly a, a chill in the air. So it's good to see you sitting back there in whatever it is with your singlet on and just kicking back. And <laughs> and it's still a bit of daylight there, isn't it? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I'm just starting to see the clouds are just starting to rose up there now. So we'll get a sunset. At about seven o'clock, yeah, seven o'clock, so yeah, half an hour or so. Um, yeah, we're probably sit, sitting at about um, probably about twenty-eight degrees now. And the lioness just before she said to me, "Oh, we might be able to sleep with the windows open tonight. I think it's going to be a bit of a cold snap. Get down to about twenty-five. So, <laughs> so that'll be nice. We'll be yeah. able to get a bit of fresh air. Yeah, rub it in, yeah. son. Rub it in anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, but you talk about extremes of temperature, mate. I, I actually spent a bit of time living in America and. It was one of the things that blew me away. I mean, I'm from, like you say, I'm from Victoria originally. So we get there 42 degree days in Western Vic, and then we get the minus threes as well in the wintertime. 
But I went over to the States and lived and worked over in Idaho for a while. And I turned up there and uh, went to work on the farm. And they've got the snowmobile parked next to the ski boat, mate. You know, they, they get 10 foot of snow in the wintertime and, and she's 100 degrees in the in the summer, which is about 40 degrees Aussie. So they, they, they get that, that uh, the whole extreme in, in one place as well. So, yeah, we're not alone in that. Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. And that line's a bit dodgy, but that's all right. That's what happens when you're doing this FaceTime thing. And um, and everyone's been doing it, mate, all these little live streams and shows. And I just thought, I just got bored. I mean, mate, I'm usually, this is normally the place I pace right here, Waddy. I mean, you'd love to be here. And I can tell you any other day of the week, but once we all had to stay home and go through this self-isolation caper, I was getting a bit bored, which is why we sort of invented this Friday night shed session thing. But, mate, you look, before we get into living up the top end, I've got to get you to repeat a story you told me. I, I, I did a thing with you on the radio a while back, and I was on the Nullarbor, and uh, I was on my way back. <laughs> <laughs> I was on my yeah, way back. Yeah. I was on my way back. <laughs> yeah, I was on my way back from, um, from Perth. I'd been over there for the four-wheel drive and adventure show in Perth. And I actually drove over and basically just took a camper trailer with me and we I just camped my way over and back and it was really good. But I did I stopped, I can't remember where it was, it was at a roadhouse and did the radio show and you and you were on that week and you tell me your nullaball story because you actually spent a very, very exciting Christmas day over there broken down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I actually uh <laughs> Well, I told you that story in confidence, mate. But anyway, here we go. Hey, Waddy, hey, Waddy. You might have thought it was in confidence. The radio shows on 181 stations, you imbecile. Yeah. Right? I mean, oh, it wasn't exactly in confidence. I mean, we were on air that day. But you, yeah, you don't yeah, have to repeat yeah. the story if you don't want to, but you might as well now. No, well, that's right. So I was travelling back down from Broome. That was when we were in that um, sort of 10-year drought. It must have been the uh, late two. Well, I say 2008 or nine or so, and, and I was travelling back down from living in Broome to help out on the farm, cart a bit of water for the old man. And uh, I actually found myself heading across the Nullarbor on Christmas Day in the old 60 Series Land Cruiser. Uh, uh, I had some alternator problems which made the uh, <laughs> the radio and everything go haywire. So I had no radio and actually heard a bit of a funny noise coming out of the out of the dip, so I pulled over, and sure enough, I'd done a bloody wheel bearing in the in the land cruiser. Yeah, shouldn't have pulled over, but I was uh, I wasn't far away from Kaguna Roadhouse, which is um, is not far into Western Australia from the South Australian border. Lucky enough, there they've got a little bar and a bit of a roadhouse. But uh, sure enough, it, it was. Um, it was Christmas Day, so there was no parts available, no nothing. So long story short, I spent four or five days sitting on the side of the road or under a bit of mulga there with my car pulled apart, waiting for, a, you know, the, the pass to get delivered from Perth. And I and I did, um, I watched Shane Warne get his 700th wicket, test wicket uh, at the little bar there, which was a bit of a moment in the, in the ashes, Boxing Day test. And I met some really nice people there. Mm. And, um, <laughs> Who were and spent those a bit of time with them. <laughs> Who were those people? <laughs> they're, still, they're still mates of mine, actually. Uh. But their names are Monica and Matilda. A couple of, um, <laughs> Monica and a couple Matilda. Of nice girls from Sweden. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, go on. 
And yeah, so you just spent no. Christmas and New Year with them breaking down on the nullarbor. I mean, fair dinkum, it could it could only happen to you, mate, <laughs> eh? Like breaking down on the nullarbor and bump, and yes. met Monica and Matilda. So well done. Anyway, we won't dwell yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, good girl. So they actually, they were travelling, talk about the heat, they were travelling west and I was travelling east. Um, and I was like, oh, well, you know, good luck. It's pretty hot as you get up around the top there. Um, about two weeks later when I got home and I was cutting water on the farm, for the old man in the drought i get a phone call from monica and she says oh we got to port headland and it got too hot for us so we turned around and came back so they they come and spend a couple of weeks on the farm with us and come to the local bns and all that sort of stuff so yeah everyone around that district remembers that that weekend in particular, they did a pretty good job in the wet T-shirt competition. And <laughs> <other> things. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Oh, mate, well and, done. Uh, and the rest is history, mate. But we're, we're still we're still good mates, and um, we've all got our got got families of our own now, and yeah. and and they're just good memories. Yeah, where are they now? Back in Sweden. Doing the doing their yeah, best. Yeah, Nor- Norway and Sweden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Geez, it's pretty. You know, they would have known the difference, wouldn't they, mate? From Sweden, I mean, it's pretty cold there. I've, I've never been there, and probably don't intend on going. But I'm tipping it'd be pretty <laughs> pretty chilly over there, wouldn't it? Yeah, it gets. Yeah, that's right. They didn't really understand how hot it was going to get as they go up around the top. So they they travelled three and a half thousand k's to head around up to Broome, and then got too hot, and they, and they turned back around and came back to. Back to Western Victoria, so ah, fair yeah. enough, mate. Now, look, you 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 were from Victoria, then you moved up the up to Darwin, and you've set up a business. Now, for people watching, you need to get onto this. And I mean, you've got the life up there, and obviously things are a little bit stalled at the minute because of what's happening with this bloody coronavirus. It's certainly done its damage uh, to a lot of people's and a lot of small businesses, including yours. But you've got this business, Barefoot Fishing Safaris. So, for anyone who wants to travel to the top end and be guaranteed to catch a barra. Uh, and get that full experience of dodging crocodiles and all that stuff, uh, mate. They want to get onto you. Now, now, how did that start? And where'd you get the name from? Barefoot fishing safaris. You don't wear shoes. What's the go? Yeah, well, actually, it's funnily enough. I went to the podiatrist today. I've got a bit of foot problems going on at the moment. She said no more bare feet, so it's a bit of a problem. But um, so yeah, that did start. I mean, I, I, um, you know, growing up on the farm, I. I always had a love for the outdoors and, and obviously um, trying to make a living out of doing something you enjoy every day. I, I've done plenty of work that I didn't enjoy, um, probably over 100 I roles. I, I remember in about my third or fourth year after I finished school, I had 17 different group certificates to hand in to the tax man. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just sort of I ended up down that path after about 10 years of travelling and working overseas and around Australia of, of, of this real lifestyle sort of existence, I suppose. So, yeah, I, it was 10 years ago. I bought the um, – oh, 10 years ago, I started working for a remote mothership um, company. We we did 28 weeks at sea, um, which gave me a really good grounding. And then I went on and did another year for a really well-known and well-respected operation here, Darren's Barra Safaris. Darren now – got a big lodge out, at, out in Arnhem Land, which is going really well. And between him and, and sort of my other main mentor in the industry, Rob Croxon, they gave me a good good footing. And um, and it was, yeah, so eight years ago now, I bought my boat, and that's where the name comes from. The boat's called Barefoot 2. It was actually, I don't know what happened to Barefoot 1 either, by the way. But um, 
it was it was owned by our now retired senator Nigel Scullion had a um, had a business doing commercial work in the harbour and the old South Wind. It's a it's a fiberglass longboat goes really well in their northern chop as well as got a shallow draft. So really good for work boats and really good for fishing as well. So when I went and checked the boat out, I I sort of, you know, I had half a dozen mates with me and I was thinking, you know, like that actually sort of suits my personality. I don't spend a hell of a lot of time wearing shoes or, or following the normal uh, gist of things. So, yeah, we, we went with barefoot fishing safaris and, it, and it's been good, you know. Like it's a it's it's certainly not all beer and Skittles. Like you, you see the Instagram posts and, and all the stuff that makes it look like an amazing time, which, of course, it is. But it's also a lot of hell, hell of a lot of hard work goes goes into it and um anyone who's self-employed knows it's a bit of a grind but you do it for a reason and and um and for me it's to be able to live the lifestyle that i that i wanted to live which is pretty much just enjoying the country that i live in and um and being able to show people things that i enjoy and and particularly raise a family in it in a way that i i sort of got raised as well you know that's pretty important to me yeah, absolutely. Mate, living up in the Northern Territory, I mean, what is it like? I mean, for me personally, I know when, when you're in the Territory, you just feel more Australian. It's very funny. I mean, I, it's just like it's another complete different rule there. I mean, I, I watched a, pe- a press conference yesterday from the Chief Minister up there who, for you know, for people in, you know, obviously in, in states of Australia, they've got premiers. In the Northern Territory, you've got a Chief Minister. And his first line was, Crackenites off. I know you're all going to be pissed off. I mean, I couldn't. Believe, <laughs> and I mean, it's just and anyone who's ever seen that Northern Territory news newspaper. I mean, it's just an absolute cracker for me personally. I know when you're in the territory, you just feel like you're more Australian. It's just more knockabout. It's just got that who gives a shit feel about it. You know, like we just do our best and get into it. And what's it like living up there and doing what you do? I mean, you you go fishing at Kakadu for a weekend. I mean, for us down here, I mean. We don't have that luxury. She's a fair, a fair excursion from here up there. But mate, what's it yeah. like? It's just laid back. Is it? Is it? Is it? What it appears? I mean, I know when I've been there, it's just like no one really cares too much, and everyone's just knocking <laughs> back and makes and, and and I mean they're making sure that they got you know the the priority up there is to make sure there's cold beer around. Didn't you once tell me it's 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 a fine if you drive past the pub? But what's it like? Is it like that? Is it is that the feel about it? Is what's it like living up in the top end? Yeah, look, it, it really is. I mean, the territory, I, I suppose, in a lot of ways, it has always been the the place that time forgot. You know, um, we've got so much cultural history up here, and and the and the culture, while it's evolved and changed a lot, it it sort of continues where it, it really is more about the the lifestyle than than sort of having the flash house or the flash car and and earning the most money. You know, like it. It certainly is a really relaxed place to live, which is really, really, really good 90% of the time, you know, but uh, until you want to get something done. So <laughs> if, you, if you've got a, got a job, like say a, me- a mechanic job or a welding job or a maintenance job or a something job that you need to get done and get the show back on the road, the territory time can be frustrating at times because everyone's on it <laughs> so you can it can get frustrating for let's say a couple of days a year but yeah i mean people here we never have protests we never have violence we never have any dramas and and everyone's just here just to they're, they're just living their life and and trying to do the best they can and be happy in the sunshine you know so 
yeah, it's a it's a place that I guess the area that probably love it or you hate it to a to a large degree. Um, it certainly wouldn't suit probably the the majority of Australians because I guess the majority of people live in the city. But but for me, you know, farm boy, country boy, I, I'm living. 20 minutes from Darwin City now. I'm on 10 acres. We've got bandicoots digging holes in the lawns and agile wallabies eating the grass in the mornings. And we're three minute drive to Kmart and, and Woolworths now at our local shopping centre. Um, 20, 20 minute drive to an international airport. So for me, you put all those things on paper and, and there's no better place in the world to live. And I've, I've traveled 22 different countries, you know, so I've had a good look around and this is where I'm going to stay. Yeah, happy days. I mean, that's 22 countries. How were you accepted? I mean, because I've actually spoken. Like, <laughs> people should know that I was meant to be up in... The, you opened another can there. Yeah. Which, yeah you I can see, it was very funny. Even for those of you at home, I rang Waddy this afternoon just to make sure he was sober. I mean, ready. And... Um, I said, what's happening? He goes, oh, I'm just having a couple of samplers. <laughs> couple of, and that was like, geez, that would have been shit. That was a few hours ago. So you're going well. But, yeah, um, but mate, no, it's a good, it, it is, it is, it is like that up there. It's, it's a great, mate, I just think it's got that feel about it. Were you always a good fisherman? Were you always good at catching them? I mean, obviously, if you're running a, a you know, a fishing safari business, and which is basically a, a charter business, especially up there, because I mean, Everyone wants to catch that big barramundi. I mean, were you always good at fishing or not? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, I still don't. I, I actually don't think that I'm any better at fishing in general than than anyone else. Um, the difference between me and, and everyone else is that through a lot of hard work and, and the structure that I've um, sort of created my life to be, I get to spend a lot of time on the water and, and I'm pretty analytical with it all. I, I've got diaries and notes going back 10 years now. So I, I can pretty much tell you what's going to happen on what day, on what tide. But as far as natural fishing ability goes, there's a lot of blokes that are out there that are that are certainly more adept at it than me. My brother's one, for example, he guided up here for three or four years as well. And, and Dean could go into a river system and just straight away naturally find the fish, whereas I... I tend to, anyone who's seen any of my videos would see that I'm a bit of a map junkie. I, I love the data and I love and I love just keeping records and finding patterns. So I, while I really loved fishing, I, I certainly don't think I was any better at fishing than anyone else. But, you know, same as doing anything, a bit of practice makes perfect. And uh, and it's a it's an ever-evolving ever sort of skill. So every day, that's, that's what we're thinking about, how we can tweak it and make it better. And that's why... I think people keep coming back. I've got clients that have that have been with me for seven years now, and and that and they've seen the growth in me, and I've seen the growth in them, and it and it becomes a really good relationship. So, yeah, it's a it's a win for all of us. Yeah, happy days. Now, what I was going to mention earlier is that I was actually supposed to be with you tonight up there. It could have been big, one. Yeah. You yeah. were going to take me on. Yeah, that, they, you were going to take me on a fishing and pub crawl. Remember? <laughs> anyway, mate, they reckon that the um. It, it, they reckon the Chinese created the coronavirus to um, to stop everyone, but maybe the Northern Territory government created the coronavirus to stop the duck coming up. Yeah, mate. Oh, yeah good on you. Yeah, well, mate, that was the plan. I mean, we were supposed to be up there right now, and uh, mate, we'll... we'd be at the we'd be at the Sand Palms Tropical Roadhouse and Resort with Tommy and Julie, mm. and we would have just fed the 
fed the crocodile and we'd be cooking a wood-fired pizza and playing a game of pool, mate, and going out to Custom Barra tomorrow. Oh, mate. River and, <sighs> I mean, you're not going to be – you're not here, but I'm probably going to do a very similar thing on the weekend without you. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, I'll send you the photos. Yeah, I know you will. Yeah, they're no, good on you. But, I mean, it would have been – yeah, I mean, and obviously because of this bloody coronavirus stuff, I mean, it's all over. Oh, it's not – well, I mean, it's, it'll still happen. It's just not happening now. But actually, we actually said, yeah, we'll hook up this night, which is what we're doing now. And uh, we were, I know I was going to be there with you. And I can tell you one thing, mate. I wouldn't have been wearing a flannelette shirt and a beanie. I know that. Um, <laughs> mate, it would have been mate. frozen down here. But, but, mate, what's it like? I mean, so you're spending your time. And you would have – have you had any close encounters with the crocs up there? Because obviously you've seen thousands of them. Yep, yep. Um, I haven't had a hell of a lot of close encounters early on. It was actually my first year, probably even my first, it would have been my first or second guided trip. I was, um, it was actually a really, really wet year that year. It was 2011. And uh, we we started our guiding on the 1st of March, which is sort of um, quid pro quo. We got, it was too much water, so we moved systems. And I actually, I was up at which is well known to the locals of Darwin at the mouth of the Adelaide River called Chad's Creek. And we're tied up to a side, casting a point, and, and one of the guys, got, which sort of has become the story of my life, got, got a lure caught somewhere he shouldn't have. This one was on a rope, which is tied onto the bow of the boat. So I was hanging over the bow of the boat, head down, trying to get this bloody lure out of the, out of the rope. And um, with my hands sort of in the water up to, I guess, my wrist, as I got the water, the lure out of the water and um, sort of, you know, pushed myself back up, a crocodile popped up directly opposite me on, on the bank about five metres away. And that made me just go, oh, shit, he, he could have popped up, you know, right right where I was, um, but he didn't, luckily. We, we have the odd crocodile pinch fish and things like this, but um, to a large degree, the rule of thumb up here is if you don't get in with them, you're pretty right, you know. You got to be doing something fairly silly to have an interaction with a crocodile in a bad way. So I just stick to that rule. We got a pool straight out the back of the caravan here, and that's where we swim, mate. We don't swim in the rivers at all. Yeah, no. Well, that's probably good advice, mate, because they're, they're absolutely <laughs> yeah. everywhere up there, eh? But um, I remember you telling me that you do a lot of fishing in Darwin Harbour, and people would be shocked. I know I I couldn't believe it when you told me that Darwin Harbour is six times bigger than Sydney Harbour. No, not many people would know that, would they? No, well, um, probably the same amount of people would know that as the amount of people would know how big Sydney Harbour is because I have no idea how big Sydney Harbour is. So what, your mate, what are you telling me? The... Hang on, hang on. So what, you, what, you made it up? No, I didn't make it up, mate. It, well, well, hang on. I, I did it on the map and I charted it out and I reckon it's about six times. In fact, you can look it up. It's a thing. It's on Google. But Sydney Harbour is the benchmark. So Darwin Harbour is heaps bigger and it's heaps better. It's heaps warmer, there's heaps more fish, there's heaps less people, there's heaps more crocs, and it's heaps more fun, you know. That's that's all. That's probably what the Wikipedia article should be on it. Yeah, well, mate, I can tell you there's not too many crocodiles in um, in Sydney Harbour. There's plenty of sharks in Sydney <laughs> Harbour. Not only that, there's there's plenty of sharks walking around Sydney just in general. Don't worry about that. But, um, yeah. but mate, it, 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 look, I reckon it's just a laid-back lifestyle. And, I mean, and I, I mean I've spoken to you in the past on the radio where you've where you've gone, you know, billabong fishing and in Kakadu just for the weekend and things like that. Mate, what about the, 
the thing you, you were going to take me on when I was up there, and I mean, this is one of probably one of the the main reasons why I'm dirty. I'm not there. The Billabong and Pub Crawl. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> mate, that, and it's, it's all in one. As though the uh, the Rainbow Serpent created the Mary River for fishing guides, I reckon. Like particularly Crawberry Billabong. It's it's where in good seasons, in particular, we um we spend a lot of our time. So my year, say two hundred days a year of fishing, is broken up into into pretty well thirds, where I'll do sort of. 30 or 40 days of, of runoff fishing, which is all extended charters, Daly River, Dundee, um, Finnis River. And then we'll go into our dry season pattern where we'll do 30 or 40 days of of, uh, of sort of close by stuff for the half day, full day market, and um, which includes the billabongs and that. And then we'll go into the, the build up stuff, which again is in the big rivers, chasing the big spawning fish. But, Corroboree Billabong is is one of those places that was put together for the tourism industry by the by the fishing guides. You know, like it's it's an hour's drive from Darwin. It's got Barramundi. It's got Saratoga, which is our other really tenacious freshwater fishing uh, or, or sport fishing fish. It's got crocodiles. It's got um, every single bird life you can imagine: pigs, buffalo, dingoes on the side of the road, and you and you get all that ticked off on the on the bucket list before one o'clock in the arvo and and usually by then the boys are half a dozen beers in or more and then we'll just booze cruise them home and you've got to go past half a dozen pubs i think a couple mm-hmm. of them are the, the are the true genuine famous territory outback pubs and um you know it makes makes for a good day for them but it, it makes for a fairly dry day for me mate i've got to drive these blokes around all day they're cracking cans at five o'clock at the boat ramp and and having fun in the pub all day, and I'm going to drive around be the chauffeur. That's well, I can tell you what. That's one of the hardest parts of the job. Well, what, what, being a sober pub. Well, what you need, what you need to do is employ a deckhand who can actually do the driving as well. I mean, that would be the go. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Remember, I told you this was a lifestyle job, and there wasn't a hell of a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So, so the lifestyle. Oh, anyone wants to put their hand up, I'll employ a full-time deckhand. The lifestyle is brilliant, but the pay is ratchet. The pay is shit. Yeah, no, fair enough. Didn't you tell me once it's actually a fine? We were talking about the Daily Waters pub, and um, which is a pretty iconic pub. And um, you were telling me that it's a fine if you if you just drive past without stopping, you can actually get knocked off for that. Is that true or not? Yeah, you wouldn't dare. The local bloke will get you for sure yeah. driving through Daily Waters without going to the pub. Same at Corroboree Tavern. Same as Daly River, same as Dundee Beach, same as, you know, half a dozen other ones, mate. you you got to call in for one over the wood, otherwise your buddy, the Johnnies, will get you. Yeah, no, that. no, 100%. It's unbelievable, really. It, uh, it, you got to stay on the right side of the law, duck. Yeah, now, Dundee Beach, you've met, yeah, well, that's exactly right, mate. Now, look, you've mentioned Dundee Beach a couple of times. Now, that was actually named after Mick Dundee, which is a fictitious character as it is, but they've named, they've named a beach after him up there. Yeah, that's right. So um, it's a bit of a funny one. So Dundee, uh, Mick Dundee is is actually a bit of a, uh, well, it's a based on a true story, sort of a yarn from up here. Can't remember the bloke's name, but he, there's a book, a really famous book, and it's well worth a read called Crocs, Crocs, bloody Crocs, Cops and Leopard Skin Jocks or something. And, and, and it's about this fella who was, 
a bit, bit of a rat bag and a bit of a poacher and a bit of a black market um, baronetta and all sorts of stuff. And the, and that character Mick Dundee was based on him. Yeah. Um, so the, the township of Dundee is one of the only places in the top end where you can actually own some private land on the water. And um, it's pretty popular. Oh, it's, a, it's probably, I think it is the most popular boat ramp in the top end. Um, and obviously a, a really popular destination for Darwin people to have a weekender and stuff. And, and we utilise those houses through the charters and that sort of thing as well, which is really cool for us. We can go and set up a camp, say I'll go there and, and set up for a month and, um, and run all my charters through, through one of these beach houses, which is really cool for the clients. It's cool for me. And, um, and it all gives us a bit of a slice of paradise of our own for a little while. Yeah, it's unbelievable, mate. I was, mate, it's a top spot up there everywhere. I don't think there's a dud. Is there a dud spot up there anywhere? I mean, it's just you got the lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> there is. What is it? What's the dud spot? No, uh, well, yeah, the dud spot is is that area where you go from um, Northern Territory through to South Australia. <laughs> You're kidding. That, that is a fact. You know, I've been through there actually. That's actually around Wolf Creek, actually, ran through there. You ever been, I mean, I remember. Oh, Wolf Creek, mate. Yeah, you're talking about the West Australian border. I've been to Wolf Creek there. That I tell you what, you talk about places that people should go to. Wolf Creek Meteorite Crater is definitely one of them. That is, that is unreal. The movie is like I had bad dreams for a month, mm. but the crater itself is absolutely amazing. Um, it's out in the middle of bloody nowhere, although there is a bit of work being done on the roads these days. Um, what is it? A couple of hours' drive from Halls Creek, mm. and it's massive. It is massive. And, they, and you know, they say, oh, anything within 100 k's would have died when the, when the meteorite hit or something. like. You could just imagine the, the boys walking around in the bush there when it happened, just like, what the hell is going on here, you know? But it is phenomenal that... The crater's 100 metres deep. It's, it's largely filled up with sand now and palm uh, pandanus and, and other bush. But the crater itself, it ta- uh, yeah, like it's a, it's a decent walk up to the top and it's perfectly circular and just amazing. It just, you can sit down and just stare and wonder, you know, about space and all sorts of things when you go there. It's mm. unreal. Mm. I remember when we were in the Territory and uh, we stopped at a place called Barrow Creek Station. I'm not sure if you've been there. If you've driven, you probably would have. You would have. Uh, went through there driving back home down to, down to Victoria, uh, and uh, and that was where, where when that um, the Joanne Lees remember her she was she was she was picked up she was picked up by the truck driver and taken to Barrow Creek Station, and anyway so we went in there and it was it was uh, the the thing I liked about Barrow Creek Station is a couple of stories about it we pulled in there. And it had on the on the fuel bowsers outside it had please pay for petrol at the bar which I thought mate how good is it. And then I yeah. went in and I was talking to the bloke who behind the bar and paid for the fuel and, and I said, mate, you know, and I said, what's the story, mate? What's your go? And he was telling me how he came from Cremorne in Sydney. And I said, mate, how does a bloke from Cremorne, like Cremorne in Sydney's basically, you know, not far from where the Arbour Bridge is. And I said, mate, how did you end up here? Like it's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. And <laughs> yeah, he said, yeah, mate, yeah. I, I, I broke down here 19 years ago. <laughs> I just thought, holy. Mate. Yeah, unbelievable, but it was funny because then we, we pushed on and then it was sort of at the end of the day and we were looking for somewhere to pull up and camp and we pulled up and there was like this little shelter thing that was just, you know, and there were these three blokes who were camped there and they had this like 20 litre drum going with a, with a fire going in it and I've walked over to them and said, oh, yeah, boys, what's doing? 
And they, anyway, they were from um, Yugoslavia or the Ukraine or somewhere, and the bloke <laughs> says, we're out here looking for Wolf, Wolf Creek. Well, they travelled oh. from they, – they, they'd actually travelled. Like I'd, I'd had a, they were drinking. They said, oh, i have one of these drinks. I mean, it was like drinking two-stroke, right? And I said, mate, I'm not, drink, I'm not getting into that. And they were drinking this straight spirit, whatever it was, but it was definitely petrol and metho and everything else mixed in. It, was, it, it, it smelt terrible. I think they were using it to get the fire going. Anyway, but they, they started telling me they'd actually travelled to come over to Australia for the sole purpose of finding Wolf Creek. I mean, yeah, it's, it's unreal, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, mate, unbelievable. Well, but they, anyway. they, it sounds like those blokes might have been there for ulterior motives. <laughs> if you're going there from a geological or an astronomical point of view, it's also very interesting. Yeah, well, well mate, I've well, got, it's an amazing place. Yeah. I've got to tell you, mate, I, um, I, my missus is going, you're mad going over there. We're in the middle of nowhere. You're just going over to talk to these three blokes. That, and, and I've got to tell you, they did look a bit sus, but not as sus as the car that, that drove in without going right into it, that drove into the camp spot about three hours later with about 20 people in the car and three flat tyres. It was something else. And then in the morning, oh, yeah. just drove yeah. out again. But, um, mate, yeah, it, it is, it, mate, I think you've done well. I mean, to, to get yourself up there and, and live in, in, in the territory and, and, and hang around that top end and, and get a living out of it, but, mate, you've turned it into something. I mean, you're even coming up with your own fishing knots now, eh? Like, tell us, that. what's that new knot you've got? What's it called? Oh, yeah, I know. The, the one we spoke about it on the um, on the radio the other day. It's not, certainly not my knot. I, imagine how much grief I'd get if I cloned it as mine. But um, I've got my version of, of the FG knot. Yeah, so now, now, look, just, this is a podcast, so you can tell us what does that stand for? Well, I don't know what it stands for, mate, but I reckon it stands for the fucking good night. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, mate. I mean, well, you need well, and, and, well, you need those sort of knots, mate, to uh, to to make sure those big barriers don't get away. So, but but you're well, into that, yeah. aren't you? You're into you're into all of it. You're into the technical side of it. And you're into the into all that stuff and making sure that I mean, mate, I'm hopeless. I mean, I'm for that. Tying a pair of boots, you know. That's why I wear the ones that you don't have laces. <laughs> but but mate, there is well, a bit of a knack to it. That's right. I mean, like, that's why I got. I mean, I got plenty of guys that come fishing with me that are absolute guns in their local waters, and um, and they know how to do virtually all the techniques, or they can be shown very easily how to do the techniques. Uh, um, but it's the subtle things, the one percenters, you know, that actually that get the catch rate up at the end of the day. Actually, one of my members. Draw charters was a really good example of that. Uh, the daily, about the week before we got shut down, actually, Glenn Stewart and his old man and his young fella, three generations of Stewarts, all gun fishermen, and and all um, all at times of their careers, been, uh, got done some guiding in their own home waters. They came up for the first time fishing wild barra, and and they they were really easy to coach because. They were competent at holding a rod and reel. They they knew how to do most of the stuff, but it was just tweaking the one percenters that that actually got that got our catches right up and and got them having a good time. They, those guys could e are easily one of those sort of groups where they could come up themselves with their own boat and um, and probably do okay. But it's that it's that experience on the water and particularly on certain areas and certain times where the one percenters count and you can double your catch rate so for me that that's the big big part of it is is 
Like, I'm not really expert at anything in life. Oh, well, maybe apart from shotgun and cans of beer. But but, but I do like teaching people things that I know. And, and if it's that if if it's holding the rod a certain way so they can get a better twitch on their barrelure, which then converts them to more fish, at, at the end of the day, for me, that's a great reward. And, and, um, and for them, it's something they can take away from it. So, yeah, I... I I guess I do look at it fairly technically because I have to. Like, mm. like I said, I'm not a probably a natural gun fisherman, but but it, like anything, if you use the numbers and and find the patterns, you, you can become good at anything. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Well, I mean, I, well, I mean look, just send me down those patterns and numbers, will you, mate? So I can be good at something as well, which would be <laughs> fucking handy for me, mate. Well, so I'll tell you what I'm doing at the moment, mate. Yeah. And and uh, the lioness hates it because she's sick of the constant clacking. It. Uh, I, I'm revisiting the Ruby. Cube and I'm got it down <laughs> in three minutes. Uh, how long? Three minutes, mate. Yeah. Three From minutes. Scrambled to to finish. Yeah, I got it down to three minutes. So that I used to used to be able to do it under two minutes. When yeah. I, back when I was a real mad bloke living in Ballarat, I was, yeah. I was dressed up a bit like you. You know, drink drinking home brews and and wearing oh. the beanie sitting in front of the fire. Yeah. And uh, me, and my housemate, and one of my best mates, still Max. We, mm. we used to on a Friday night do the Rubik's cube and have competitions. So I revisited it when I went into social isolation again here a while back, and I'm back down to under three minutes. So any mm. other fishing guide in Australia, if you can do the Rubik's cube in under three minutes, I'll buy you a box of beer. Yeah, I'll tell you so what we'll do. Right, I've got to say just before we're going, I'm going to put it out there in a minute about the Rubik's cube. But I'm going to say, if you ever <laughs> met any, have you ever met anyone? You just mentioned home brew. Have you ever met anybody who's made shit home brew according to them? I mean, mate, you meet you. I got mates. I, I, one mate in particular who makes yeah, yeah, home yeah. brew. Oh, mate, you got to get into this. It's the best ever, I and mean, it tastes like absolute shit. And he's going, oh, yeah. mate, this is mother's milk. I said, mate, you're kidding, aren't you? I mean, anyway, but everyone who makes home brew, they'll tell you how good it is. But geez, I'm, I'm yet to taste a good, a real good home brew, apart from one bloke. Who's got a joint down at a van down at Wiseman's Ferry, and uh, me mate Jimmy down there who makes a home brew and he's got it on tap, which is not, which isn't too bad. In fact, I was I was quietly impressed because I'm just a, a straight out old to his new man, you know. But um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but but uh, yeah. I've got to say, mate, home brew. But the one thing about home brew is it doesn't really give you a hangover. Have you have you ever got onto the, you? You don't do a home brew, do you? Not up here, mate. No, we struggle to get the um. The temperature right up here, it's always a bit too hot. I did, I was right into it when I was going through ag college as well as down home, you know, working on stations and stuff. But um, I think you're right. It, it, it's a bit of an acquired taste. It's a bit <laughs> like, that's where the bloody craft beer markets come from, mate. It's all these yeah, home home brewers and, yeah. they, and they just think that they, they drink the, this bloody half rotten beer and it, it's all the go. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's... Yeah. Um, we we sort of discovered that we weren't much good at it. So, but you know what we were good at was um, killing and cutting up sheep pretty quick. A few of us farm boys. So we every now and then we'd find a find a sheep that might have been on the side of the road or lost or something, and and we'd cut him up and kill him or kill him and cut him up and and we'd trade it to one of the other fellas who was a bit bit better at home brew than us. So mm. we we had a bit of the old bartering system going on, mate. But. Yeah, I, I I just stick to the bought stuff these days, and no no one does it better than the the blokes that are doing the pro. Yeah, no, hundred percent. That craft beer is massive. I mean, there's hundreds of them. I've never really been 
a go at it. I mean, there's nothing like when you go. I remember I went to a wedding a couple of years ago, and they've got all this shit like Peroni and all the. I mean, I know that's not a craft beer, but I mean, for me, it's all about just you know, it's either it's either got to be twoies or you know, like you say, what's that stuff you're drinking? <laughs> up there? Great Northern, which is pretty popular down here too, just quietly. That that Great Northern. Yeah, it's going it's going well up here. There's there's a few blokes that still get stuck into the dirty old twoies up here as well. Oh, turn that milk, up, dirty old twoies! You're kidding us, mate. Let me tell you, that is mother's milk. Look at this, and here's this one here. I've just cracked two. Uh, Waddy, nice and cold. The the New South Wales is blue. She's blue on there. Yeah, the yeah love it, mate. Yeah, my daughter Courtney well, just so passed what another one. When they go foxy, when they go foxy, do they go maroon? Do they? Yeah, yeah, no, they don't go maroon, <laughs> mate. Not not where I'm based anyway, but. I got to no, tell you, I got to tell you, I try to drink them before the NSW goes white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you wouldn't want them to go off. No, no, oh, no, no. Certainly, they I'll go. tell you a story about Peronis. Actually, I'll give you a little bit of a tickle into a story about Peronis. Yeah. Me mate, and me old, uh, myself and me old mate Cooper, we, when we were travelling around through Europe, um, we we were in uh, Barcelona or somewhere, Rome, and we had a big night on the Peronis and. Woke up in the morning and the old Cooper's buddy Toga, his white bed sheet was hanging on the barbed wire fence around the pool and, and he'd lost his wallet and I, I woke up in a bit of a state with something sitting on top of me that I probably shouldn't have had on top of me and yeah. all sorts of stuff. And Cooper's, Cooper's got the old peronies. They give us the worst headache in the world. And he's had, I give him the last couple of Panadols. You know, he had the, he had the worst headache and he's brushing his teeth. Next thing you know, the whole lot comes up into the sink in the caravan park. <laughs> and, he, and he looks over to him and he goes, oh, mate, they were the last ones, weren't they? And I was like, yeah, mate, yep, they were watery-eyed and stuff. You know, it's 7 o'clock. We're supposed to be joining a tour to go around and see all the ancient ruins and stuff, the Colosseum. Keeps <laughs> turns the tap on. He's a Tassie boy, you know, King Island born and bred. Turn, turns the tap on. Swishes all the corn and the last night's tucker away from him. <laughs> finds the Panadols, mate, and, and downs them again. And and off he went. And uh, <laughs> he actually didn't make it to the tour that day. He stayed pretty crook. But anyway, they all went off with a couple of German blokes and it was another big one. But, well, they reckon yeah. they can drink too, those Germans. I mean, that German <laughs> yeah, I mean, They might have been those fellas that stitched us up. Yeah. I remember I went one night. It was Actually, it was only for, only for health fanatics. I went, I went out with a couple of mates and uh, up in Brisbane and we went to the German club in Brisbane, which is basically across the road from the Gabba uh, up there. And, mate, talk about healthy nights. Kranskis, beer and snaps, like these shots. And oh, I, snaps, I, yeah. Oh, mate, I've got to tell you, mate, the next day I thought I'd had an autopsy. I mean, mate... But, but they, yeah. they can drink, but they, I still reckon their beer tastes like shit. But, I mean, I'm not into it, but... But anyway, I guess it's. But they do. That they they love the, the beer over there. They have that October fest. I can't believe that we we don't have it here. But mate, look, I, I saw. I mentioned earlier and um, about the. Uh, I saw the chief minister have a press conference yesterday, and he was basically <laughs> yeah, breaking yeah. the news that there was no Krakenite up there. Tell us a bit about Krakenite yeah, up yeah, there, because yeah. it, it must be a big yeah. thing. He, he come on, I'm mean, not hand it to him. I mean, the bloke should be the prime minister. He stood up at the at the lectern in front of the microphone and basically said, "Look, look, look! I'm going to make an announcement, but basically, is he going to be all pissed off? There's no Krakenite yeah, this yeah. year, mate. Tell us about Krakenite. Yeah, yeah he, go, he goes all right, Gunner. Um, I mean. Um, 
I, I don't like politicians at the best of times, but I, I think he's, they've done a pretty good job managing what's going on at the moment. But mm. Cracker Night, on the first of first of July, and um, and it's basically just the like what Gunner said in the press conference. That's the night, or well, that's the day that we just blow shit up, and <laughs> so you can. It's the one day of the year where you can legally buy fireworks in the territory. It's advertised generally for a month in advance, all down the side of the road and all sorts of stuff. And um, and then everyone goes and spends two weeks' pay buying bloody fireworks. Most people head down to the beach or to the local footy oval or whatever, and and then proceed to drink a box of beer and shoot each other with them. Which is, I can tell you what, on paper it sounds good, but in person it's fucking even better. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, we've been. We, I mean, look, we. I mean, we used to have crack an idea. I remember as a kid, you know. And uh, oh, I, I look. This might surprise you, Waddy, but when I was a young kid, I was a prick, and uh, I used to have the oh, bungers. No, I wouldn't believe that. <laughs> and, and we used to drop the bungers into the old letter box and things like that, and build the. Bo- I remember. Me, at my grandmother's house, there was a park across the road, and we'd spend weeks, you know, put, building the bonfire and everything on there of ties and mattresses and all the stuff to throw on them, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then light them up yeah, and get yeah. the ball shooters out and all that. So, what is it a bit like that? I mean, we've got the fun police coppers here. I mean, you can't do anything down here, and it's, I mean, cracker night was one of the great nights, and I, <laughs> I mean. It was just all part of it. I mean, so yeah. it still goes on up there. I think that's why people love the top end and love the territory because it's like, it must be just like going back in time. And I'm, when I saw old mate's press conference yesterday, I thought, shit, how good's this? <laughs> I mean, he just came yeah, out, mate. you know, he didn't look like a politician and he basically just, you know, this is what's going on. And, and you mentioned the thing yeah. of getting shit-faced. I mean, that all happened in the press conference and he was just fine. How good is it? Yeah, that's right. So, so yeah, that... I think one of the questions from the I, – I haven't seen it, but I've seen a couple of outtakes. So one of the questions from the local press, probably the NT News or ABC Darwin, was, so are we going to be able to get munted on on Kraken or something? <laughs> and, and, and Chief goes, yeah, well, you can still do that, but you've got to, you know, you've got to abide by the yeah. social distancing and all the policies. <laughs> but, yeah, look, it, 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 I mean, it really is exactly like what you're describing, what used to happen down south. And that the classic old John Williamson song, Cracker Night, you know, mm. was a real big deal down in Quambatook. And Quambatook's actually not far from where I grew up as well. And I can only imagine what would happen down, down in my neck of the woods if we were allowed to have fireworks. It'd be mm. very similar to up here. Mm. I, I experienced my first Cracker Night on when I was about 15, you know, and, and we were here, up here for a family holiday during the winter school holidays. And we went out to one of the local jetties because we were mad on fishing as well. We wanted to have a fish for a squid or something at night. And um, these blokes, you know, obviously like myself and my mates now were, you know, sitting beside their eskies shooting each other with fireworks and stuff. And, and we're running around going, oh, can we have a go, Dad? Can we have a go? Dad's like, oh, yeah, right. Let's <laughs> go for it. So these <laughs> fellas, are, you know, they're lighting up these bloody great big fireworks and saying to, saying to little 10-, 12-year-old kids, Run over there and shoot it at that bloke. Yeah, <laughs> so oh, mate. Oh, mate. mate. It still goes on. It's the, bu- it's the busiest night in Darwin for the whole year for the emergency department. <laughs> oh, yeah, I reckon. 
Oh, mate, I and remember. It's the busiest night for the fire department for um, oh. like, like localised grass fires as well. So they're, <laughs> they're generally pretty busy. They're probably happy it's not happening this, this year, you know. Oh, it should be big next year, especially if they reproduce a, a few uh, extra crackers and let the let, let double load off. I remember I've got a mate, <laughs> a mate of mine who, believe it or not, he's been my mate. He's my longest mate. Uh, Ray James, his name is, and he's probably watching this. And uh, we've been mates for 52 years this year, which is fucking fair effort uh, there, Waddy, I've got to tell you. But, mate, we used to take them to... We, yeah, mate, yeah. yeah we, mate, we used to take them to school, drop the flying fairies in kids' pockets and the Tom Thumbs. <laughs> 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 I did tell you we were pricks when we were young, but uh, we were a lot more than that. But, uh, you know, there, it is a bit of a shame that the old cracker night... I think you can still get them, but you've got to have, you know, you've got to have permits and... And all this other bullshit. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's probably you know it gets someone in a job to make sure we're all doing it properly. And I just don't know where the kids these days would be as responsible as us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think that's what all of our parents have said, mate. Freaking hell! Like, um, I yeah, we um, of course you're supposed to let all your crackers off on the night only, and there's fines oh, if you yeah. don't. But oh, really? Pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. If you get caught with crackers, you know, without after that time, it's ten grand or whatever. Oh but shit! Okay. I can tell you now, we we just had some um, some of our isolation rules relaxed mm. as of today, so yep. we're allowed to go camping and fishing with a mate from uh, as of lunchtime today. And as I, I was driving around Darwin today, running around doing a few jobs, I don't reckon I've seen as many camper trailers and boats on the road. Oh yeah, everyone just. Burning around, getting organised for a long weekend. I can tell you what, there'd be crackers going off right now, mm. and, they, and they'll be going off all weekend. People just celebrating their freedom again, you know. Um, yeah, it's it's part of part of what we do, and and of course, like um, the territory being a huge place, and the attitude of the residents really does mean that sort of you know. Try and stop us. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, stop mate. Us. It's very funny. <laughs> you you, mean, can't. you, you tell someone, tell a Darwinian not to go fishing, and he'll just say, "Okay, well, come catch me then." Yeah, you mentioned it down here. I mean, fishing's been a go down here, and then what they said is that you can't ride jet skis unless you uh, you've got a um, you're going fishing. And from what, what the mail I've received is that last weekend there was lots of people going fishing with hand lines in their storage compartments and their jet skis, yeah, yeah, tying yeah. fishing rods to their jet skis and and getting out there I yeah. mean, at the end of the day i think as a country we've done a pretty good job i mean, I mean you would rather be here than anywhere else i mean it's it's absolutely a oh, nightmare and absolutely uh, yeah, but no i mean the northern territory i mean i remember we were away we, we did a trip um uh, wasn't a big trip we we thought we'd do the right thing when the bushfires had decimated the south coast and 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 basically it you know people had lost their lives which was just tragic and then there was people who lost their homes and the um and all the caravan parks down on the south coast of new south wales had lost all their business due to the bushfires so we yeah we yeah, decided yeah. let's go down to one of those parks and, and and take a few people we ended up with about geez almost 200 people come down with me i i, I thought i'd get you know three people on the dog had come and uh, we went down, Adam Harvey's a mate of mine, the country music singer, so he, he, he came down and to entertain them. And on that particular night, we, we, we were, and we were all sort of, we spread it all out to do the right thing because it was right at the very beginning where you could have crowds of up to 500 outside. And so we took it outside. So we were, we were way under that and we'd set the tables and these barrels up and, what, you know, and, and stuff sort of tried to spread people out. 
But then we'll get up the next morning, and at that point, we were gearing up to head to where you are, head to the Territory. Yeah, that's right. And then yeah. I get the I, I, I get the, the call, Northern Territory have closed their borders. Now, mate, that was probably when you look at it, I mean, I, mean, I was absolutely filthy, and um, but when you look at that, it's probably done you a good turn there. You're right there. You got another one. I got one here, mate. All good. Yeah. But I've, I, but I've got to tell you, one, yeah. that, that's helped you because, mate, you you're probably leading the way up there. I mean, how many people up there now have the virus, and you wouldn't have had a new case for a while now? No, that's right. We've had um, we've had oh, it'd be well over three weeks now without a a new case apart from. A couple of soldiers that have flown back yeah, in from I saw Afghanistan that. Yeah. where they got it there, yeah. um, which we were spewing about because bloody Canberra got in front of us as the first uh, state or territory to become COVID-free. But no, look, um, when I, I actually uh, I wrote an email to my, to my local member saying, please, please, please don't close the borders down. You're going to kill us. Um, and then a couple of days later, I sort of, saw the light and I'm bloody glad they did um, because, yeah, at the end of the day, we're, they're opening up the pubs for us again next week and um, and then our life from then will progressively get back. You'll see that there's a roadmap to a new normal for, mm. for the Territory, which will last for the next few months. And then, you know, by the end of the year, um, if, you know, if you blokes are lucky, they might let a few of you Mexicans back in. But I can't. Probably enough, by, I mean, fish. by then, <laughs> we'll yeah. record all the good fish, and, and you'll just have to wait till next runoff. To, yeah, because you get, get into it. But. And, and you know what? We can laugh about it and, and, and all that. But at the end of the day, you're running a, you know, you're basically running a, a fairly successful and unique fishing charter business there. But you're stuffed. I mean, because by the time it's all back on, you're going to be straight back smack into the wet season. Which is which is going to pull it up. So you've basically lost a whole season of work. Yeah, that's right. That, um, we've lost the whole season directly for sure, and and as a um, symptom of that, we'll lose probably another half a year because we've got say I've got twenty extended charters that I couldn't do this year, three to five day stuff that we've that my clients, you know. Bless their cotton socks. They're a bunch of fucking legends. They, they've allowed. They they're happy just to postpone it, and um, and w so we'll do them next year as well. But so we'll fit all that in in the next couple of years, and that's really good. I'm really lucky because I've got a I've got a background in earth moving and trucking. So I I've actually just finished a swing, to, um, out at a mine site where I'm. I'm going to work two weeks on, two weeks off. So once we get a bit of work going, um, interstate flights coming back in, I'll be able to start ticking away, getting fishing again, and then um, and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. But until then, I'm in the high vis, mate. I, I got these. The what? The high vis? Yeah. Have you got one yeah, of the high? Have you got the vest the there somewhere? Can you can you show us the vest or what is it? The dry cleaners, is it? <laughs> I'll leave that on site, mate. We don't want to be associated with the high vis. <laughs> you don't have to be yeah, you don't, yeah. off bloody shorts now. But yeah, so but I'm lucky, you know. There's there's other, I've, you know, well, my heart goes out to the guys who who are at the stage of their career or the the fishing businesses and other tourism businesses that have invested so much money to to them getting to um, su such deep trouble at the moment, but. 
um, you know, the the rising tide floats all boats, and and the falling tide sort of only only the strongest will, will remain. So yeah. whoever's the whoever's going to come out at the end of it's going to be stronger for it. And and you know, given the fishing a, a break for a year is probably not a bad thing for the fish stocks as well. You know, so yeah, yeah. it's probably Mother Nature telling us something as well as. As well as a bit of bad luck, but anyway. yeah, yeah. All right, mate. Well, mate, it's good to catch up with you, Waddy, and uh, we just want to give people a bit of a, a bit of an insight of what it's like to live in the top end, and plenty of people who follow us here and, um, you know, love it up there. I mean, I, I said it earlier. I mean, I know when you go to the Northern Territory, you just feel like you're, you're more Australian. It's just one of those places. <laughs> I'm filthy because we were going to be up there for. Shit, I think we were going to be away for about. I think we, but the way it worked out, we were going away for Easter. Then we were heading to the Sunshine Coast in Queensland for a uh, four-wheel drive show, then across to you. And we were, we were, we were, with all that combined, we were, we were going to be away for almost three months. Um, obviously, yeah. that didn't happen. And um, But anyway, that's just life. I mean, there's people oh, doing it a lot I worse than us. Me, ringing me. Oh, you're, mate, you're I was excited. Saying, oh, how, how fucking good. You're <laughs> I'm going to be on the road for months and I'm living the dream. No, mate, bullshit. It's all good and this yeah. and that and the other. And I'm thinking... Oh, here we go. Yeah, and no, then, no, no. Anyway, I was, I was, I was telling you, if you remember rightly, before you started sitting here <laughs> bullshitting on my platform, that I was saying, mate, I'm heading your way, and you were doing these things. <laughs> you little beauty, <laughs> you little ripper, get up here, ducky boy. <laughs> Looking for someone else to put under the table, mate. Oh, oh turn it up, I'll tell you up something, mate. At the end of the day, you might be up there, but you're still a Victorian, and you got nothing. In that area, in <laughs> you'd be putting put no one under the table, mate. Is it? You're probably up there drinking mid strength. No, nah, mate. We're on. So there's a, a bit of a rule of thumb up here. Actually, I'll show you. Yeah, go and get it up. So we got the. What we do up here, we got the, the black marlins for the they're the morning beers. They're the mid strengths. And then once. Once the uh, clock ticks over 12, we go to the red ones. And, and what me mate, um, he's a wise old bugger, Andy Dubois, all he's famously said, he said, uh, mid-strengths until you finish your jobs and then full-strengths to finish you off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very, very good, mate. So that's mate. how we run it up here, mate. Particularly on the weekends, you got to get, you got to get keep the lubrication going. You don't want to perish. <laughs> you don't have to tell me, mate. Don't worry about that, pal. I'm all over it, mate. It's a bit of a shit because you and I were supposed to be hooking up tonight, which we had all, all pinned in, and I was going to spend a, a week or two there with you, which would have been probably at the end of the day. You had me drinking mid strength in the mate. It wouldn't matter to me. I mean, I don't normally drink in the morning, mate, but I mean, I, I don't drink too many mid-strength. There's a bit of a story about light beer and mid-strength. Obviously, you can't get light beer up there. It's just, you just start uh, off on mids well, and, then, and then straight into the heavy light, stuff. Light beer is light beers what we have in the wet season when, we, when we're drinking a full strength and it's raining, mate. <laughs> you know, a bit of rain gets in there. You get big rain in the wet season, eh? For people that never been there, I remember talking to you uh, one time and you were telling me, like, it's just hundreds and hundreds of mils of rain like in, a, in yeah. a couple of days, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we had um, that was that bit of rain. We it was only one front that come through. We had four hundred and seventy mils of rain here at home overnight. Uh, not overnight, over about three days. But uh, during tw the wet season of twenty twelve thirteen, when Cyclone Carlos come through, we had four hundred and seventy mils overnight, and um, that was bloody wet. I can tell you now, it, you couldn't sleep because it was too noisy. 
and you sit out on the deck watching the lightning storm and you and you couldn't talk to each other because it was too noisy so everyone just sat out there sipping a can mate and, and just enjoying the light show so it's one of the extremes we get oh if anyone ever gets a chance fly up when there's a monsoon in darwin it is spectacular the amount of rain that falls yeah man i've been told that it's it's not it's um i mean a lot of people head up there when it, when it's not the wet season but i've been told that if you ever want to go to the territory and see it in all its glory um, going up in the wet season. Mal Leyland. Remember the Leyland brothers? Mal Leyland's a mate of mine. Who, oh, who, who, who Mal's the reason I'm up here, yeah. Yeah, really, yeah. Well, Mal Leyland appears on the radio show every week, and um, I'm, I'm pretty matey with him, which I, which I regard as a bit of a privilege, to be honest. I remember as a kid watching the Leyland <laughs> brothers, and uh, and me and Mal are actually pretty good friends. We actually talk a lot, you know, off air and, and stuff, and um, he lost his wife a, a while back, and uh, it was a really hard time for him, and... Uh, but mate, he's travelled, you know, Australia for fifty years. But every time he went to the territory, they they'd go up in the wet season. They did everything. Like him and his brother Mike. They now I've had long conversations with him. He's he's a fascinating bloke to talk to. And they they went up to Cape York in the wet season, and um, when there was no development road, you know, fifty odd years ago, and and it oh, went up in yeah, old Land Rovers, yeah. and then and they crossed the Simpson. They were the first to do that. They were the first to travel. The Gibb River Road, when it wasn't even a road, and they basically followed the, you know, the bulldozers. They were trying to cut in a track that didn't even have a name. You know, it's a, he's a great bloke to talk to, but he he's big. He reckons that he he's big on the on the territory in the wet season. He thinks that you just you can experience a whole lot more. Obviously, places are restricted where you can get to in a four wheel drive because there's water everywhere. But he's a big rap on it. And uh, but what happens before I let you go, Waddy? What happens in the city of of Darwin itself. Are there office workers walking around in suits and, and all the clobber like they are in Sydney and Melbourne, or is it a little bit different? Like, are, there, are there actual office workers in the middle of Darwin? <laughs> yeah, oh, mate. Like, I, um, <laughs> it's it's certainly not like it is in any other capital city. I, like, what you got to remember is that there's only – shit, uh, there's got to be less than – 150,000 people live in Darwin, you know, so mm. let's equate it to the size of Ballarat or Geelong or one of these other sort of decent sized regional centres. But yeah, there, there is people that um, that do get around in their sort of tailored suit pants and those little pointy lace up shoes and stuff like that. But yeah. I don't know, mate. I, I think they're bloody kidding themselves <laughs> a bit. But I, I talk about Cooper a fair bit. But, yeah, old mate Cooper, he, he used to, he's a truckie and he actually a um, bit of a farmer down in Tassie there now and he used to like going to the Kavanagh Hotel at lunchtime and he, he'd say, he'd ring me up, he'd fly in from the mines and he'd go, what we'll go down, we'll go down the cab for lunch and we'll check out a bit of corporate. <laughs> Check out some corporate Because they got a bit of a bar Like a beer garden thing And you can sit at the bar And have a, have a cannery while you Because it's just next door to the, the courts <laughs> So <laughs> like, like watching the uh, Watching the lawyer chicks walk out of the court They're about the only one that wear the suit pants And the in the shirt and tie up here mate So yeah. yeah, if you want to have a perv on someone In a suit and down You've got to sit at the cab at lunchtime And watch them <laughs> coming out of the courtroom but other than that just just all singlet shorts and thongs up here bros yeah well i gotta i gotta tell you what he down here the new go is and obviously this is not me but they wear the suits down here and they drop the pants you know the the the, the trousers are about three or four inches too short and they have no socks on i mean it's not uh, a it's yeah, mate right. i've got to tell you now if you are one of those people i'm gonna 
I'm here to tell you, I'm no fashion guru, but that's not a go. That is not a fucking yeah, yeah, go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, that's the other thing that we notice up here too. Every now and then, we got a, you know, another mate who is is a bit of a, um, uh, he he knows what he likes and stuff, and he's a big unit, big rugby player from Buddy Portland. And uh, where's Abbott from? Where's Abbott from? He's he's from New South Wales, and he doesn't like the man bun. So he'll go around. What's a fucking man bun? What's a man bun? <laughs> he's been known to go to go to Woolies. Halfway through a night out in Mitchell Street and buy a pair of scissors to go and snip a few man buns oh, off yeah. the metros that <laughs> turn up to Darwin. But that bloody that, – that short fucking pants and no socks thing, that's not a go at all. No, no it's not a go. It, it, it's not a go. And, if, and like I said, if you're one of those people that do that and go to the races and everything now and they wear the suit pants and they're too short with no socks on and then, the you know, the Julius Marlowe's, mate, please – yeah, I mean. do that. You know, hey, I'll, I'll give everyone a challenge. Do that at the Darwin Cup, and see how long you last before yeah. you get chucked over. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now listen, we were going to do something before we had to send a video in of something. What was that little competition we were going to do a bit earlier? We'll do something where, and if they can send us in something, we can send them out one of your Barrett, your barefoot. Um, Barefoot fishing safari packs with the stubby olders. I can't remember what we're talking about yeah, now. Yeah, mate, you've got a dozen of my stubby olders sitting there. Yeah, I know, I know. You didn't give them all to Harvey, did you? Yeah, oh, Adam Harvey did cop a couple of them, and um, we couldn't work out what the go was with them, but then we worked out they were covers for your reels, and uh, so they're, they're not a bad thing, but but anyway, <laughs> no, all good. All right, Waddy, well, mate, as we know, I was supposed to be up there with you now. I wish I was there, and... Um, I appreciate you. I thought, you know what, we were supposed to be there. Why don't we just do this and we can have a few beers and, and a bit of a yak and we've just basically invited anyone in who wants to watch it and have a listen and uh, to join us. But, mate, all good, mate, and uh, I appreciate you coming on the uh, – hey, mate, welcome to me shed. This is it. It's actually pretty warm in here now, fire going. How's the temperature <laughs> there now? Yeah, What's your, is it below 30 there yet? <laughs> Oh no! It were, like we, I reckon we're going for an overnight low of about twenty-three tonight. Mm. So actually, I I came out this morning. Yeah. My first night back in after two weeks at work, and I and I went outside for a leak and talked to the bandicoots as they're digging holes in the lawn. And I ran back into the lioness and I said, "Shit, it's cold out there." And she looked at the thing and it was twenty-four degrees. So, mate, let me go. tell you now. I'll tell you what. The temperature here right now is thirteen. I'm just going through the phone here. Oh, it's not going to be too bad. It's only going to go down to 12, so that's not too bad. So. Ah, fucking hell, mate. No, we wouldn't be worried about that. <laughs> no, no. Oh, they breed them hard down here, mate. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can have it. All right, mate. Well, hopefully I'll get to catch up with you soon, mate, in person. It'll be good, mate. But thanks for coming and having a chat, and, and we'll get up there, and, uh, and, and you can take me on that billabong and pub crawl. I can't wait for it, mate. I'm only hoping, hoping that these restrictions get lifted before the wet season, and I'll do a quick... Straight up there for you. Yeah, yeah, that's the go. We'll do it in the build-up. That, 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 that way we can get some real good blue water fishing as well as the billabongs come come back on the bite during during the build-up too as the temperature warms up again and the pubs will be open, so job's right. But yeah. I don't know, you, you'll have to fill out some paperwork before we'll let you back in, mate. I don't yeah. know whether they'll approve blokes like you. I'll get one of my people to fill their paperwork in, mate. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I've got anyway, it sounds good anyway. I've got any fucking people. Mate, cheers to you, son. Well done. Oh, you just had a squig, mate. 
Good to see you. Cheers to you, Doc. Yeah, yep. you too, mate. And happy keep in Friday, touch. And, and we'll talk on the Happy Friday, all right? And we'll have a chat on the radio uh, next week. So for people who don't know, you just get on. You can get it on podcasts. It, it's actually on Darwin Radio. It's on Kicks Country in Darwin. Yeah, yeah, we got Kicks FM. Yeah, that's uh, it. Well, yeah. We've got the 92.3, I think it is, in Darwin. There you go. You know um, more yeah, than me. Get the Kicks Radio, yeah. Yeah, they get on to Kicks Country in Darwin. What is it? 92.3 FM Sunday mornings, they run it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, you can tune in and you can hear Waddy on the radio up there and basically all <laughs> over the country. So, uh, But you do come on every week, which is good. It's Just quickly, I've got to say, it wasn't a bad story because you sent me an email and said, oh, this is what I do, blah, blah. Do you reckon I could come on? The next thing, yeah, you're one of the regulars. Yeah. Hey. Man, you got to uh, – I mean, this doing this sort of stuff, um, i got a bit of a face for radio or a face for nothing. Yeah, mate, it's please. Not my, it's, <laughs> it's not really my forte, mate, but, you know, um, like I say, I like sharing what I'm passionate about with um, – with other people that haven't experienced it, you haven't encouraged them to come up to the territory and, and have a bit of a crack and and join us. And and, and like you say, we, we would have been sitting at a pub somewhere, yeah. yarning with the locals, and that's that's just how we treat how we treat life and how we treat business up here. So yeah. all my all my clients are just they're just mates drinking beer and and um, you know it is a good life. And and we'll come out of the, out of this little bit of a shutdown. Bigger and better than ever. We've got a new boat being built at the moment, which is a very exciting thing. Scary and terrifying, but very exciting. And and we're I'm going to come out out of the um out of the shutdown punching, and we're yep. going to be bigger than better than ever. So yeah, if we decide to let you up here, mate, you'll oh, be piss off. You're kidding, are you, mate? You be I know <laughs> you'll be trying to smuggle me up there, mate. Don't worry about that. I mean, you've already. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've got. I mean, I can. Oh, I'll put up the text messages. Oh, duck! I've got a mate that can throw you in the back of a truck and get you up here and all this. I know you've been trying <laughs> to get me there. Anyway, mate, yeah, I wish yeah. I was there with you, mate. And the next time you're travelling through here, make sure you can. Yes, you're always welcome here, mate, in my shed. But uh, mate, I will get up there, and uh, mate, oh, obviously we talk all the time, so. Um, mate, we'll make it happen. It's just a shame it's not happening tonight. But anyway, we do, we're getting along with the best we can. You're a good man, Waddy. I'll talk to you next week on the radio, eh? Good on you, mate. Have a good weekend, eh? You too, son. All the best to you. Cheers, son. See you, Doc. See you, mate. All the best. And there he is, our man, our man Waddy. And uh, how good was he? He's a, a great bloke and a real character, and I hope you did enjoy that, um, our cross up to the top end. It's, um, it's certainly a different lifestyle up there. And we do love it. And, uh, and anyone who hasn't been there, put it on your bucket list. Get to the Northern Territory. You won't regret it. There's so much to see. It's like going back in time, really. And uh, I absolutely love it up there. And like we said, we were, mate, we should have been there tonight. And we weren't joking. Waddy and I had already planned to spend this weekend together. And we're going to go fishing. And he was going to take me on that very famous pub crawl and billabong crawl. All in one. Takes all day, apparently. And uh, but it's a bit of fun up there, and uh, they certainly do it, and they've done well up there just controlling this virus as well. But anyway, but uh, but uh, no, I thought it would be great just to get Waddy on, have a bit of a chat, and give us a bit of a taste of what life is like in the top end. <laughs> that is our shed podcast this week, and uh, a beauty big thanks to Waddy for coming on. In coming weeks, I can tell you we have some big names coming on to have a bit of a chat, a couple of mates. 
Frankie J Holden from Old 55, and you might know Frankie J from, um, old, from apart from Old 55, Underbelly, I think he's currently in Home and Away, he tells me, and um, so it'd be great to catch up with Frankie J next week, and other, in other weeks ahead of that, we've got Lee Kernigan who'll be joining us for a chat, uh, Brad Cox, and a whole lot more, so... Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next Friday night, providing we all go well. Have a good weekend. See ya.